With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 413 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm recording this intro in uh, Philadelphia, where I recorded this uh, interview about two days ago at this point. Wow, the weekend really feels like it it flies by when you get to spend it talking to a whole bunch of, of wonderful authors. Uh, today's episode is an interview I did with Ryan LaSala, who his book Reverie came out in December, uh, and it is just a fantastic, uh, wonderful, sprawling fantasy all about dreams and what our minds can conjure up and identity and just a whole bunch of extremely cool things. There's so much going on in this, I won't even try to uh, describe it because in just a minute or two, you'll get to hear Ryan LaSala uh, describe it much, much better than I possibly could. Uh, So it's very, very exciting. But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to today's sponsor, which is Indeed.com. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their, li- uh, their library of more than 50 skill tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude questions like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring direct uh, decisions quickly, and you can be confident you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash booknerds and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash booknerds. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. Again, one last time, that's indeed.com slash book nerds. If you want to get a hold of us personally, you can always go to professionalbooknerds.com. There you'll find our Twitter and Instagram, which is at probooknerds. And of course, you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Okay, not going to wait around anymore because I am cutting all of this together on Sunday morning, but I want to make sure that you guys get it in time. So I hope you enjoy this extremely fun, truly wonderful episode with Ryan LaSala, on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Adam. I am hanging out at the American Library Association Midwinter Meeting, which is a mouthful, and I am joined by Ryan Lasalo, who is a fantasy writer whose debut YA novel, Reverie, was released this past December. It was named a January YA Book Club pick by Barnes & Noble, a Kids Indie Next pick for Winter 2020, an Amazon Best of the Month Editor's pick in December, and one of the best YA sci-fi, fantasy, and horror 2019 picks by Tor.com. That is a lot, Ryan. Congratulations, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so 
much for having me. If you want to just keep showering me with like accolades and compliments, I could sit here all day. I'll be honest. I saw all the the list of them and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put a bunch of these in here because I know it usually makes the authors feel good. Yeah. Well, I also don't enter a room unless someone shouts all of those things ahead of time. So (laughs) it's good that... Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's true. I have an announcer that usually precedes me in everywhere. That yeah, like an MC. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, well then I guess we can continue with the interview. Yeah, You're not going to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> now you're allowed. Yeah. Uh, do you want to kind of kick us off by giving our listeners an introduction to Reverie? Because I don't want to try and do that. No one, no one does. Reverie is a very hard book to explain. We were just joking about this. Yeah. And uh, welcome to sort of my life, trying to get an agent. Uh-huh. I'm trying to convince them that this book like made sense on paper. Because yeah. It's hard to explain, but the gist of it is that it's about a young queer kid named Kane Montgomery who's growing up sort of alone and by himself in Connecticut, and the book rotates on this, like, fantastical battle that he gets embroiled in between himself and a drag queen sorceress named Posey, mm-hmm. uh, and most of the battle takes place in these, like, vast living dreamt worlds called reveries that spring from people's subconscious, and so the book sort of hops through many different worlds, many different genres, and plays a lot with, like, identity and, like the craft of storytelling and who gets to tell stories and who has power and there's a lot more to it but it's, the gist of it is that it's like a clown car in a good way where like things keep coming Just, out and you're like well that has to be it yeah and then it's like there's... the mary poppins of like like the bag yeah. of books just keep pulling things out so i don't ever ask authors what inspired you because that's a lazy question to oh, ask people okay. so i won't do that but i am curious what came first like plot character world building what part of this like started as the seed in your brain that became this glorious plant so i love this um so reverie is like a book that i started in high school Uh and so and i'm 28 now so this is about 10 years or so ago and um as a result it's sort of been this like psychic companion of mine for Mm -hmm. a long time which means it's kind of hard for me to like pinpoint the beginning of certain things if I had to, though, it would definitely be character. Um, Ursula is the first person that was ever in the Reverie universe. Yeah. And if anyone's read the book, Ursula is this sort of uh, like really like jockey type girl. And um, she's always sort of put in like positions of like battle. She's sort of the, the bronze of the team. Um, and it was just this image of her battling like, I think it was like giant lizards in like a prom dress or something like yeah. that. I just love like that juxtaposition. Um, but it was also the notion of like taking her and putting her into like every situation where I wanted a girl in a prom dress to fight back. Of course. Just like trafficking her through like all these different worlds. I like, I wanted the princess to fight back. I wanted the sexy secretary to fight Uh back. And I like through her, I got to kind of like live this out And the rest of the book Mm. arranges itself around like that vehicle. That's phenomenal. First off, in uh, 2019, you po- you published a book with a character named Ursula. Yeah, that's like my biggest feat. Wild. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe like there has been zero Ursulas since the Ursula. Like yeah, I, mean, I Ursula know Ursula Le Guin, but again, that's years and years ago. Right. I. It God truly blew my way. I, the the uh, the the things that I've gotten away with in this book um, blow my mind, and that's actually one of them that no one talks. About. I mean, you're the first person it's to like wild. point this out to me. I yeah. love it so much. Thank you. I actually we were talking earlier about how I was trying. My wife, who is a just massive fan of Y fantasy, like yes. this is on her short list of the next books to read, and she hasn't read it yet. So I'm just, I was trying to explain it to her, and I mentioned I was like, and then this character Ursula, and I started explaining a scene, and she's like, hold on. Yeah, she. Ursula. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, exactly. So, Thank you. Um, I have to say, like, the thing that I, I... The the world is incredible, and the reveries are amazing when we get to those, but the part that fascinates me the most, like, I have this abject horror of waking up with no memory of things. Yeah, yeah. That is something that, with everything else going on, that's the part that stuck out to me the most. Like, your main character, Kane, wakes up with just nothing. Right. 
why, like, is that something you've always kind of had a, a fear of, or did you just think that that would spark a good way to unfold the story? It, well, okay, admittedly, it is a good way to unfold a fantasy because things are being explained to a character as mm-hmm. the reader's learning them, so in the same way that, like, Harry Potter is. But the root of that actually has a lot more to do with, um, like, my own experience is just sort of, like, coming to in worlds where I have to figure out the rules. Yeah. Um, which is a thing that, like, a lot of people that are marginalized just, like, they stumble into something and you really need to figure out who you are based upon like that world's perception of you right and that's also how dreams feel to people like oftentimes I feel like my most vivid dreams are dreams in which like I sort of wake up like in the pilot seat of an airplane mm-hmm. and I'm flying the plane and if I second guess that the plane's gonna crash and I wanted to emulate like that drifting feeling that sort of like senseless uh-huh. feeling um and, and give that to Kane as sort of the, the beginning of the book to make sure that like even the world itself even Connecticut sort of feels like a reverie to him yeah if this is a book that you were able to fully conjure and create, I'm just imagining what your dreams are like. The, and I'm jealous. Yeah. A lot of teeth falling out. That's oh, my, yeah, yeah that's like dreams. most of my dreams. Oh, yeah. That's a, isn't that a stress dream? It's a stress dream. It's a stress dream about like not having like control over a lot of things. Yeah. But like, I think that I'm particularly like not suited for stress because like in it, I'm like, well, my teeth are falling out. Like I might as well just like get rid of all of them like I lost several I'm gonna like take the rest out as well like I just I like go crazy yeah. with it yeah it's not uh, not good but my dreams tend to be very vivid and very um detailed very yeah. like oriented and like narrative as well so are you able to remember them after you wake up or is this like you have to frantically I, they, they tend to come to me my dreams sort of build themselves into like my memory yeah. and I'll think of them two or three days later when something will sort of spark a memory and I'll be like wait why would why would this be familiar and it's not familiar at all it's just yeah. because it resembles something that I maybe dreamt like a week or two ago I am so jealous of that I will wake up in the middle of the night and just like in a fever write down and my my notes in my phone I look- love when people do this I always ask people to share these with me because I think they're so funny I have one that was like two weeks ago that I woke up and what's I, I like the phone's so bright and my wife looks around and be like what are you doing it's like mm. three in the morning the one that I wrote was it just says time traveling serial killer and then that was all I wrote yes. and then I woke up in the morning and I was like all right and you like knew that it was probably brilliant to you yeah, in the evening yeah it so good because yeah. why would I like that's a cool cur- like nugget but one of them that I had recently was that like someone in a forest like finds a fairy who like they, they save a fairy's life this is this is a note and I'll I'll send it to you afterwards it yes. makes no sense but essentially it was like a person saves a fairy and the fairy says that like they will protect this person forever and like that condition to this person is that they only want to eat quesadillas for the rest of their life but they're not allowed to die because that's how much they love quesadillas like it was like oh, it was like huh what like why was this like and I and I woke myself up because I was like I can't let this go yeah this is genius and then like the next morning I was it was like fairy quesadilla leverage like <laughs> life packed and I was like this is nuts I love the just the fairy quesadilla simply like that there's your that's title. yeah yeah you're good to go. <laughs> but I always know that I'm never gonna like remember it so I always had way too much detail into yeah. these notes and then I'm like this is see I don't even do that I do the just the four words and then I wake up and like, that's better. That's better. You... It's not. I don't remember it. It's, it's <laughs> terrible. Uh, something I really, really love about your book is, and I don't even know if you meant to do this, but to me, it's like a, a masterclass of like letting your mind be open to being more creative. And just stay with me. I'll, I'll get there. Yeah. So it it feels to me like Alice falling down the rabbit hole, or like when when she's first falling down, she's trying to figure out what's going on, and then she's sort of by the end of the book, she's just like chill and understand what's going on. So like for me, you you are thrown into this world where there's a character who not only does Kane not really know what's going on, you as a uh, reader obviously at the beginning don't know what's going on. And then you're just throwing all these elaborate, borderline absurd things, and by the end of it there's a reverie that is just stuff going on, and it feels 
comfortable. Like you're in the world and you're just like, you're rolling with it. And for me, as I am also an aspiring writer, like it feels like it teaches you just to like get comfortable with the most absurd ideas and your reader will get comfortable with it as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think that like, I mean, teaching people to just accept a reverence. Yeah. I think it's part of writing a book of that has to do with, like, dream logic in the first place. And one of the things that I really appreciate is people responding and saying, like, this did feel sort of like the logic of a dream. Like, things do progress in such, like, a um, specific way. And I think a large part of that is because oftentimes, like, I would start with, like, the, the kernel or the basic premise of mm-hmm. a reverie. Um, but oftentimes, like, based upon the actual actions that, um, that happened, I would twist it, it like... Mm-hmm. To, to sort of respond to what was going on in it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times, and a lot of the things that kind of built into them took me by surprise as I was writing as well. Also, thank you for answering that because it wasn't a question. I didn't know how to like, I was yeah. like, I was going to say this and you're like, I guess it's my turn It to is cool to that. know that like the, the like sort of the final moments of it feel like comfortable because... Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because you're right. When you're in a, like when you're in a dream, like we were just talking about, like the most absurd things feel normal. And by the end of it, there's, and this doesn't give anything away, but like, some of your characters are on a what seems like a cruise ship but they're in space and yeah. you're just like yeah that's exactly where cruise ships go like it's no problem no yeah, questions like, asked right well but, and I think part of that is also like when I was thinking about this like this is gonna sound totally bananas but like I did have to think to myself like oh let's like simplify this a little bit and like this most simple version of space travel like I can imagine is like we're just gonna take what we do on the ocean <laughs> and we're gonna put it in space just like in the fifth element like that's like yeah. what I had in mind okay. and, oh thank you because that's what I thought was going yes. on yes oh good I'm glad because yes. that's like the image that I had and I was like I know it's campy and I know it's uh-huh. a little bit like hokey but like ultimately like I am painting in bold strokes because there's a whole story that has to go on aside from this and like God bless my editor because she's the one that's like Ryan we need a little bit less from you uh-huh. like and the things that I had to take out of Reverie like you would not believe like yeah. there's just so much that never made it in specifically because like it did get I think to be a little bit like brambly yeah um, and so maybe someday I'll use these things you should have had a person yes I'm telling you what you should have yeah, let, let's hear it. yeah. you should have had a person like have them just be like and a person with orange hair walks by and just says multi-pass yeah like, yeah Lulu like, Dallas multi-pass walks by yeah. and she's covered in just strips of that would be Ursula if she was and angry about it the whole angry time. about it the whole time yeah um so what would be like if you clearly built all these out, but what would be your personal reverie? I'm sure someone else has asked you this before, but I'm I will, so I've thought about this, um, as one might do if they're writing a reverie. Um, and my reverie actually is literally that cruise ship that yeah. we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you notice in the description of it, it, Kane even remarks that, like, oh, whoever sort of, like, who's ever mind designed this world, it's conspicuously queer, right? Yeah. Like, and it's, like, just full of, like, gay people dancing, and mm-hmm. it's a cruise ship in space that's, like, basically what I would imagine, like, my reverie to be, like, if I could just, like, take everybody that I like and sort of put, like, I oftentimes dream about, like, being on, like, the Starship Enterprise. Uh-huh. I just love the idea of being on a space station where, like, everything is within reach. Like, yeah. it's, like, a giant college campus. Uh-huh. My friends all have dorms. I can get to their houses easily. I don't have to, like, take, like, the sea train anywhere. Like, right. that is, like, my idea of, like, paradise. Yeah. And so if I, and then, I mean, putting it in space would also be sort of a prerogative because it's fantasy. Of course. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Gotta do it. It would probably be in, in that realm. Yeah. So when you were building out these reveries because as people read it there's a Victorian one we talked about there's one in space there's one in like a futuristic dystopia I suppose we can yeah like an antiquated dystopian futurism yeah (laughs) Yeah. so I I feel like did you build out each of these worlds entirely and then just say like okay what part of the world am I going to put my characters in because you basically for being a debut novel you basically put like six full length stories in here that could be (laughs) actual novels themselves like how did you go about deciding where in those you were gonna just throw your characters <laughs> I, I wish i had a coherent answer for this yeah but, i mean 
the very simple answer is a lot of times I just decide what like bizarre battle I want to put Ursula into and uh-huh. that sort of her outfit kind of controls the rest of the, the reverie <laughs> but it's also like I, I'm someone who is very much like I'm like pivotally driven by like aesthetics mm. and envisioning and for the most part like the things that made it into this book um, it's an effort of me to kind of capture like the things that I like see in my head when I listen to like music or just like daydream or something like sure. that too so a lot of these like as bizarre as the scenes are like they sort of came to me fully formed that way and then I spent a lot of time whether it be like you know Ursula battling or like the Dreadmare was like a whole thing uh-huh. um, I, a lot of like the writing of every was sort of crafting context around mm-hmm. things that I wanted to create visually yeah um, and the reveries included I just feel like it has to be a lot of fun to have once you establish a world where anything can happen being able yeah. to be as descriptive as possible like even when there is like quote unquote monsters it's just like oh yeah this one's covered in diamonds like I just feel like it has to be very freak as a writer just there are no rules when it comes to what you can throw in there that just feels like are for your second novel which is is it set in this world or no it's not set in this world are you (laughs) sorry we one of your publicists is here and she's also shaking her head no Margaret's like yeah you don't have to tell me anything about it but like does it feel more restrictive than writing Reverie. Absolutely. My yeah. second book is not a fantasy. And so you can I talk about it? I could talk about it. Okay. My second book is uh it's about two um like ex-boyfriends who are basically trying to like reconcile their like broken relationship mm-hmm. during a competitive arts and crafts competition. Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> and it takes place in like the co- the world of cosplay. So like very fantastical, but like mm-hmm. in a material sense. Like they're yeah. building they're in the same way like they're building fantasy, but they're building it onto themselves versus like building it around them. So yeah. like a lot of the same themes, a lot of, like, creativity sort of in that, but mm-hmm. the restrictions of operating in, like, a material reality yeah. um, for me was, like, so complex and difficult to think through after spending so long in the world of Reverie where yeah. I could yeah. outsmart really any law of physics uh-huh. because it's, like, dream logic, yeah. and, like, if I could make it make sense narratively, like, it could it could, it could could happen. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a struggle. I sort of have the reverse problem of a lot of people where they go into fantasy and they have to think of an entire world where, like, that's what I'm used to doing, that's what I'm good at. Yeah going and like working in like a convention center and like looking up like what's a convention center like and like not not having that like in my mind already yeah. was very difficult well hey I've, now you whatever round of edits you're going into now you can make edit we're sitting in the convention center it's great I know as we speak I'm like doing research yeah uh, well also in the world of I mean I feel like you can be pretty free in the world of cosplay as someone who Absolutely, as yeah. we talked about I stalk your social media I know you're very <laughs> Very good. I mean, you were you went as a wardrobe from Beauty and the Beast once. Like that's, she's the best character. She's my favorite character from Beauty and the Beast. She's a murderer. She yeah. She's the only character to commit manslaughter. Yeah. In like any Disney movie I can think of. Yeah. Just like Do you know, talk, yeah. She like crushes a man while singing an opera note. Like that's a gay yeah. icon. And I don't think she gets the <laughs> I don't think she gets the attention that like a her like she slaughters a man. Yeah. That's incredible. Also, she's like fabulous. And so I mean, that yeah. that's what that's why I was her for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, why the witches? In Reverie? Yeah, there's a... There, there, our main character carries around a book. Yeah. The Witches by Roald Dahl. Yeah. The... I'm just gonna say, The darkest of Roald Dahl's books. Truly. Um, is, is that a book that you were... I mean, you have to be a fan of it, like, growing up, I assume. But. It's a book that I knew about, but mostly I'm a fan of Angelica Houston, who <laughs> okay. plays the head witch in yeah. that movie, which was one of the most terrifying movies to me as a kid. Yeah. In part because consequences, and this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't read The Witches, like consequences in that movie and in that book are permanent. Yeah. You get turned into a mouse, you do not get to go back. Like right. that to me, like the permanence of this was like mind boggling mm-hmm. in a world of happy endings. Well, I feel like also when, because I'm of a similar age, I'm a little bit older than you, but I feel like the, the movies from our childhood were truly, truly dark. Like 
I everything story. Everything story. Yes. Forget about it. Ridiculous. But like the void that like swallows yeah. everything. That it, the that, darkness that, or whatever. That's like an expression of like OCD that like I still like use to like talk about it like you, all the time. You watch a horse get yes. just drowned in mud and because just, it's too depressed to get up. Yeah, it's just sad. It's just sad. Too yeah. sad. Uh, Fern Gully. I don't know if you're oh good. my god, Fern Gully. Yeah. Thank you. Fern Gully, where it's just like, oh, here's a, a monster made of oil, and yeah. it's just yeah. I feel like everything. Speaking of mice, I don't know this is a tangent that I'm probably just going to leave in, but speaking of mice, in um, Five Goes West, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they build like a robotic rat. Yes. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. It's ludicrous. Yeah, like Watership Down even is like a terrifying movie. Oh god, terrifying god. Movie. Yeah. Jesus. Anyhow, the, <laughs> to, to bring this back to, the, well to your question, um, I included The Witches because of the importance that it has for Kane and for his connection to Posey and Posey very early on touches upon the fact that like Kane is interested in the witches and in in sort of uses it to like indicate to Kane that like oh we understand that like in a world full of like um like heteronormativity like the most submersive or subversive thing that you can be is Mm -hmm. like uh someone who's basically like feminine and in control of that and like is only limited by like their own imagination and their willingness to kind of be who they want to be and she she talks about it in terms of like female archetypes so like you know, like the 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 virgin, like the mother, um, the witch being one that is not defined by a man. Yeah. Um, which to Posey is very important for kind of how she characterizes herself. Like she doesn't really have any allies, right? right. Um, and so that's that's kind of where that came in. But the book itself, and like sort of the the grimness of mm-hmm. all of like the doll books and things of like that era, yeah. to me, like it just left such like a like a visceral impact on me that I how wanted could it to not? reference. Yeah. yeah, it's truly truly a great thing. Um, I, we were talking before you went on Sarah Annie's podcast, First Draft, who I'm also buddies with, and you were discussing living with chronic illness, mm-hmm. and I'm curious, does that go into your writing at all? I mean, I imagine it has to kind of play a part of how you're thinking in your writing. It does and doesn't. It definitely controls how I live and how I operate as a writer, mm-hmm. because I have to be very conscious of a whole slew of things that I think people that are not chronically ill probably don't, don't even think about. Yeah. Um, same thing when it comes to like healthcare, things like that. The interesting thing about reverie and how that intersects with um, like various things I've learned about myself is that um, I learned a lot about like my own mental health from writing Kane and from people pointing out things that Kane was doing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't really understand that like I exhibited signs of OCD until I was in edits and someone was like, How come Kane always does things eight times? And I, that's because I always do things eight times, right. like, and, like, exhibit, and even, like, the infinity symbol that's, like, on the cover, like, mm-hmm. that's, like, a tick, that's, like, a tick that I've had since, like, I was little, and mm-hmm. when I was designing Kane and sort of crafting him around, like, you know, portions of, of my childhood, like, he just kind of inherited this whole slew of, like, reactions to the world, yeah. um, reveries being one of them, but also, like, random, like, ticks and things like that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that I, like, do to this day. Yeah. So, it was interesting to kind of discover that through, like, it reflecting back at me from a character that, like, I had designed so lovingly, but unknowingly. Would you say that Kane is the most like you, or is there a little bit of you kind of in everybody in this? Because they're all very different yeah. characters. I, would, I definitely... Kane is probably the easiest person to, like, associate with me, because he's the, the main character, right. but if I had to, like, for people that actually know me, 
um, I think I'm probably most similar to Posey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in, like, the way that I go about myself and, like, the world. And yeah. also just, like, <laughs> I'm much more bitter than Kane is. Uh-huh. And <laughs> much more, like, contrived. So, I, yeah, I would say that Posey's probably the one that I have the most in common with. Okay, that might be my favorite answer you could have possibly given. I'll be yeah, honest. she's great. Uh, can we talk about Twitter for a minute? Absolutely, we can talk about Twitter. So I told can you we talk about Twitter? Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I can't, yeah, it's... Don't worry. But I've done enough of uh, source books authors. Margaret would yell at me afterwards if I did something wrong. She's yeah. not shy about that. Right. Um, I told you before, like, before I even read the book, and honestly, before I think I even knew the book was coming out, like, I discovered you through YA Twitter, which is, like, honestly, I know it gets a lot of sass, but it's, like, my favorite place to be on I love the it. internet. I love it. And I discovered you, and I told you this. You are the one person I've never seen a tweet where I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to look at it anymore. Like, everything you tweet is just perfect. So not only are you incredible but like that's kind of how you got discovered right for yeah. everything so can you talk about that a little bit yeah absolutely so i and when i go into high schools i feel like i like teach the wrong lesson <laughs> by talking media. about this yeah like be on social media like tap dance till someone notices you in times square and it's like you're discovered kid like that was very much like like people were like that's not how you get into publishing you get yeah. into publishing through like querying and like this labor of like talking to agents and editors and things like that too yeah. and i tried that and it didn't work for me right. at all and then what did work for me though was like basically going on twitter interacting with people making friends uh-huh. and like being like a total idiot on the internet yeah um and like with i mean i say that there's a lot of intention behind what i do like uh-huh. i i think certain things are very funny i sort of lean into those mm-hmm. like i guess i have a persona but that <laughs> is guess i guess well but the thing is like but that's not that departed from like who i am all the time like right. people like i'm actually much worse like to all my <laughs> friends they're like this is like the bare minimum yeah um Oh no, is this... Oh, it's so... What? Is this <laughs> oh, your music video? The music video, you created a music video yes. of your book tour, and it was my favorite thing ever. Yeah. I, that's not even, again, not a question. Just, how do you decide what you want? How do you how do you curate your content? I, well, this is what I'm saying when, like, people are like, oh, you have this great persona. Like, I... I actually don't have that much, in, like, that much of an agenda behind it. Like, yeah. this, I didn't think to do until I was, like, doing it like I was in a bookstore with a friend Sasha we were backstage before we were going out and I happened to have my camera with me and Sasha is like a a YouTuber so she's good with a camera and I was like I was like oh do you want to shoot like a music music video because I've been really into this Dua Lipa song recently and I can't stop imagining myself like literally doing like the very first frame of this where I like pop up Uh I was like I just have this image on my mind and I just want to like see if it works and so we just started filming and we got like enough footage to put a music video together. There's a guy in the background of the initial <laughs> shot who's just like he like he, like for half a second he looks over. He's like, what is what's going on? Yes. Um, no, there you. My I think my favorite thing about your Twitter is you more than anyone else. You get the most reactions of people just saying your first name to you as a response. Like Zorada Cordova does yes, this all the time. Yes, who I'm yes. also buddies with. She'll just pick Ryan. Can I tell you that my phone now autocorrects my name to just Ryan in all caps? Because it's, like, learned this from people texting me. Because I get so many texts of people just being like, Ryan! I get those too. Really? Yeah. I I assume that's why. I don't know why else. I I don't type my name in all caps. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, I'm... I I said, I I love your Twitter feed, but I mean, it is like, if you're good on it and you, you did use it as a way to connect with people and 
you wrote a book because of it. So it can't all, it's not all bad. In fact, you seem to genuinely enjoy it. So well, I good. absolutely love it. I think it's so much fun to like talk with people and I love to entertain and like make people laugh. Like that's yeah. always been a huge priority of mine. Huh. I think the reason that Twitter worked for me is because honestly, and we were talking about this before, Referee is a hard book to like describe and mm-hmm. to summarize and to sit and like really get someone to get it. They have to have so many like cultural touchstones already in place. Yeah. Like the pitch for the book was like Inception meets RuPaul. Like if yeah. you don't <laughs> understand how those two things could combine and how could you, yeah. right? Like what are you going to think with that? And so I actually think that publishing pays attention to like a certain amount of like marketability and probably was like, oh, well, this person's funny. Like I'm maybe going to take a second look at like this yeah. bananas thing that they sent me. Right. And it worked. Yeah. So. Well, because I've heard somebody say, I don't know if, who it was and it was Phil Stamper we were talking about before, but someone said like, Twitter and, and social media is not where people go to buy books, but they go there to discover books. And I think that's where you succeed in spades. It's like you kind of force people to stop and be like, what is this video of a guy as a pterodactyl? Like, what's going on? Sexy pterodactyl was my favorite one. That yeah. was before I'd even read your book, and I was like, I don't know who this sexy pterodactyl guy is, but I, I gotta see more of this. It's stuff. very funny because now people, like, it's at, at a certain point, like, I'll post something and, like, it'll have, like, people will interact with it, have no idea who it is, and eventually, like, I'll get a text from my agent being like, hey, Ryan, that tweet of yours just hit a thousand likes. Now it's time to plug your book. And I'll be like, oh, right, okay, yeah, sorry. And I'll, like, <laughs> like yeah. pop it and be like, hey, if you liked the sexy, like, pterodactyl costume or, like, yeah. this rant about, like, Mrs. Potts, like, yeah. please feel free to, like, buy my book. And it's, it's the equivalent of, like, check out my SoundCloud. Kind of <laughs> it is. I'm yeah. like that person. Yeah. So, uh, so towards the end of our podcast, we asked nine lighthearted questions that I used to call rapid fire, and then we would, I would get nasty emails from people being like, "You get sidetracked. Stop calling them rapid fire." <laughs> They're not rapid. They're, They're not. They, yeah. <laughs> of all, I got more emails about this than like anything else I've ever, except for when um, my co-host loves cats, which will be a part of these questions, and I love dogs. Not the movie. Well, she may love the movie. I don't oh, know. Oh, never mind. Okay, um, you lost me. But I love dogs. She loves cats. Mm-hmm. And I did a whole podcast episode when she was gone about dog books, and I got so much hate. That was the most hate mail. Cat people have an agenda. I know. Yeah. I'm aware. And I'm going to get more like saying, little... talking about it now. Absolutely. Every time I do this, it comes back up. I love ca- I love cats. Yeah, okay. Don't, we're yeah. we're going to get there. <laughs> don't, don't DM me about right, this. So these are called the Nerd Nine. Okay. I like alliteration. Okay. Uh, first one, what's the last book you finished reading? Referee by Ryan LaSalle. I just finished the audiobook because I hadn't heard it yet. Oh my god, that's my favorite answer of all time. I'm so sorry. That's the tr- that is the truth. That's good. It just came. Marketing. It just came out. So look at see. This is good. This is good timing for this. It was really good. Uh, it was really good. <laughs> I really liked it. Do you have a favorite place to read? Um, I like to. I like to read in windowsills. I've a, I found a few like good windowsill spots, like the like ledges and like a few old Connecticut houses. And, yeah. Like those are I love. I will go through any amount of pain to just stay in that windowsill for as long as possible. Like a cat. Like a I'm cat. This. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading as a kid? Um, I have the reverse answer. Um, I hated the Rainbow Fish with like a vehement like <laughs> <Okay>. fury <laughs> for a very long time, and it's sort of like that's what got me into like reading other books. Yeah. So, do you remember the book that you then did enjoy? I love this. How could you? I love that someone hates the rainbow fish. Because it's like it teaches you that if like you're beautiful and glittery and like people envy you, the best thing you can do is literally like dis like disassemble yourself. Like that's okay. first of all, it's grotesque. All right, I can. That's fair. I can see that. Okay. Anyways, um, the book that probably um, Westlandia I think was probably yeah. the best like illustrated book that got me so deeply into like reading reading yeah um that's as far back as i can remember okay uh if you could go if you could travel anywhere that you have not yet been to where would you go i would love to go to australia um i have been lucky enough to talk to a bunch of people from australia just because of like book stuff and they were the nicest sweetest people and they make things for me they made me a book sleeve amazing and i would love to i would love to like go and visit and uh Mm -hmm. and just like 
hear their accents and try to imitate them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'd love that. <laughs> I don't think, I think, I mean, they'd probably kick me out right away, but, um, sure. yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Uh, I like the 4th of July a lot. Hmm. I do. I do. And I think the, I mean, not cause I'm like. That very... sounded judgmental on my part. I'm sorry. I didn't no, it's okay. <laughs> well, no, I get the reaction because it's. It's, it's a weird holiday to, like, adore because it's, like, yeah. rah-rah America. Mm-hmm. I don't really like it because of that. I just yeah. like it because of the timing. Okay. It's, like, a holiday that's, like, outside. Everybody gets it off. And, like, there's fireworks. And I love fireworks. Okay. That's I fair. also like cookouts. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Um, cats the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that after we get okay. done recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite food? I like anything crunchy. Yeah, like I'm more yeah. about consistency. Like, if, it, if something has, like, the right mouthfeel, I'm more apt to go with that than anything else. I also don't love... I don't have, like, a big sweet tooth or anything like that. Yeah. I'm all for savory. So more about texture than flavor. I like chips. I like chips. Chips is, like, my favorite food group. And then, last one, if you could have dinner with anybody alive or dead, who would you pick? My sister. That's genuinely sweet yeah. and adorable. Uh, last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from Reverie? Um, the best response that I've ever gotten from Reverie and the, the answer to this question is I hope that they finish the book and feel like they need to create something themselves. That is fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a fun time. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.